As we turn to our scripture this morning, I want to just offer a brief introduction and some thoughts. When I was a teenager in Texas growing up in church, it, it seemed like every sermon, every Bible study, every talk, every lesson always boiled down to the same question. Sometimes it was asked ominously, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Now, the most, the most coy and sarcastic would say, yes, I'm going to the funeral home. But the question was one about eternity, wasn't it? It's an important question. It's a good question to ask yourself. And if you have a relationship with God, then I think you know the answer to the question. If you have a relationship with God, you can have confidence knowing that the God of the universe will care for you, will hold you, will have you in his hands as you cross over from this life into eternal life. This, you know, this you can have faith in because you've received the power of the resurrection uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But but we don't talk about that quite as much around here because what we do see, what we do feel at times, is that Jesus was not just here to talk only about what happens at the end, but here to talk about what happens now. Here to talk about how we live life with God. When we gather here, it's not just to affirm our eternal destiny, but it is to inform our daily destiny our daily work and walk with God, so that the God who is with, here, with us here now will also be the God who is with us throughout eternity. I think this morning's passage, though it ends with a note about sticking it through till the end, I think it's a passage about why it's important to remain faithful to God now, through it all, not just so we get to eternity. This morning, Jesus offers apocalyptic speech, and he proclaims that life will be hard at times. There may be struggles and, and persecutions. In fact, Jesus' words are so strong that usually we avoid them, and in fact, if it were not the assigned lectionary text for this day, I probably wouldn't even preach on it. But things will happen. Things will be hard. Things won't go your way at times. And when that happens, you want to stick with a God who both promises to be with you in the end, but also to be with you all the way through. You want to be in a relationship with a God who will be with you as the hard times strike and surround you. So that as you face the inevitable troubles of this world, you can know that God is truly with you always. I think that promise is here in this passage. It's certainly a promise that I see, and I hope it's a promise that we all find as we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and 
gifts dedicated to God, he said, Ask for these things that you see. The days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, the time is near. And do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds, not not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish, and by your endurance you will gain your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a tough passage to read. Even as I'm reading it, I'm not really wanting to read it all. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. I'm glad we stick to the end, though. And I think we get it, even though getting it when it comes to this passage is not all that easy. The people were admiring the temple to start with. Specifically, they were admiring the beautiful stones and ornaments up on the temple that were given to God. These adornments probably didn't mean all that much as they were saying, oh, look what a beautiful building it is, or look at how in perfect proportion the columns are to the height of the steeple. Oh, and just look at the fine marble. Probably some of it could have come from Italy, Italian marble there in the temple. They could have said, such a structure is fit for a king. But since they were strictly looking at outside appearances, I guess you might be able to imagine why it is that Jesus spoke up. We see over and over that Jesus does not find us at our best when we are concerned most with the beautifully adorned outside appearances of things. God is not as concerned with the outside appearance and first impression because such things often do go away, don't they? In the case of the temple, the temple itself was not just going to go away. It was going to be destroyed. This happened in 70 AD, right around the time when Luke was putting his gospel on paper. It's about 35 years after Jesus died, this second temple was destroyed. But beyond the external destruction of this temple, Jesus is speaking much more, 
speaking to much more than the specificity of one temple falling down. He's speaking more about more than just the specific failure of temporal things. And he's speaking about the tangible, uh, beautiful power that we can have when we stick with God and with a relationship with God through the end. The outside temple, all outside temples actually, will likely be destroyed. But God is concerned not just with the outside temple. God is concerned with the faithfulness that will help us stay true till the end. So what's most troubling about this passage is not the need to be faithful till the end, but the news that Jesus confirms it just might get hard before we get to the end of all of this. Now, apocalyptic scriptures, at least to me, not all that happy. They're not my favorites to read. There's not a lot of markings in the Revelation portion of my Bible. But this apocalyptic passage does affirm two things that, though not happy, at least help us understand that one if things are hard, maybe, just maybe that's normal. Maybe that's to be expected. And two, in the face of the difficult things of life, if we're faithful to the end, God will be there. At the end of all of the apocalyptic passages in Scripture, the one we find at the end is God there waiting for us. And so Jesus is speaking. He starts with the temple's inability to really fully give the people what they need. And they say, look, Jesus, tell us when it's going to happen. When is this going to happen? Help us out a little bit. And he moves on from their questioning quickly to talk about the scary things that could happen. The wars, the epidemics, the food shortages, shortage, the food shortages. He then goes even more specifically to say, those of you who are devoted to me are going to have a hard time. At times you're going to be at odds with the powers that be. They're going to want to arrest you. This has happened many times for the Jews across their history. They were oppressed by the governments who were around them. But beyond being subject to a leader, a government, or an emperor... Things were going to get hard, but it was going to be okay. They were going to be subject to abuse, persecution, prisons, oppressed by their opponents. It wouldn't be easy. Following Jesus was not going to be a simple, easy path. In fact, on top of all of those external things, Jesus reads that if you follow me, remember who he said we'd be betrayed by? We'd be betrayed by our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our relatives, and our friends. These are hard, hard words to read. They're words that if we, if, if we didn't know what was coming at the end, we would stop reading before it was over. We would file out to the exits. But we read to the end. We see in 18 and 19, still not a hair on your head will be lost. And by holding fast 
to me, you will gain your life. These are good words. These are the words that we need. These are the words that affirm that if we remain faithful, when we remain faithful to our God, no matter what comes, God will be with us, God will carry us through, and in the end, God will still be there. In the end, God is still there. This year, everything in the life that is around me, and maybe it's the life of my own choosing, has been infected by conversation about the election, and I promise this will be the last to say about it. But when the, the news covers it, when the sports radio stations talk about it, yes, the sports radio stations talk about it, when the podcast and every, every newspaper that comes to the house, it's unavoidable. And it's, it's actually interesting that, that as I think about myself being 7 in 1984 or 11 in 1988, we've noticed our 7-year-olds and our 11-year-olds talking about this election in ways none of us did many years ago. We've talked about it ad, ad nauseum, and despite the typo in the, the e- email newsletter this week, I'm not that good at politics. If you read the whole paragraph, you saw that that's what I was trying to say. I don't understand all of the nuance. I struggle to respond to somebody who's uh, really direct on one issue, uh, because what I do see is what's best for everyone and what's best for the country is complex. But with the internet and the ability to communicate instantly, oftentimes just in one direction, I've seen many people looking for help and for answers and asking questions this week. There's been a temptation by some of my friends who would consider themselves more liberal to read a passage like this today and say, well, we knew it would be hard, but if we can just endure for a little while, God will bring us a new candidate. I think this is probably a bit short-sighted. I think it's just as short-sighted as my conservative friends who say, look, we've survived eight years of a president, and now we have our candidate. That that too is likely short-sighted, for Jesus ultimately is not talking about any specific politics or policy. Jesus is not specifically talking about parties or powers. Rather, he's reminding us that ultimately his way just might be contrary to all of the ways that the powers and principalities want us to go. The way of Jesus might pit us against the things that Caesar wants us to do. The way of Jesus is a different way, but it is the only way we know that leads to everlasting life, isn't it? It's a way that would cause us To have folks look at us differently. Have our family look at us differently. He uses that word, betrayal. But the way of Jesus is the way that gets us to the end. And it's not subject to the existence of the temple, which then fell, and some 2,000 years later, here we are. Many will be deceived by the power and the majesty and the grandeur of physical structures and man-made institutions. Many will be awed by the great things that we can build. 
but those don't have the power to save us the way that a God residing in our hearts in a real relationship does. Those outside institutions may abuse us or take from us or harm us if we don't if we don't ascribe complete loyalty to them, but Jesus does not. Jesus welcomes all of us. And the only way to get through this life, the only way to get to the end without falling prey to the deceivers, falling victim to the institutions, to abide with Jesus. It's to invest in a relationship with God. It's to turn our hearts to the Lord. For it's only in Jesus that we're never betrayed, never harmed, and never lost. Only when we stay to the end with Him will we gain our lives. No one promised it would be easy. In fact, Jesus tells us it will be hard. But measuring easy and hard, success or failure, is not how we measure faith. Rather, when life is hard, we're not to ask why it's hard. We're, we're, we're to ask God to carry us through the hard times. When bad things happen, it's not because God leaves us, but God is beside us that carries us through the bad things. And when the cards are stacked against us, it's not God who helps us to escape, but it is a life with Jesus that helps us to abide. I think that's what this passage is about. I think that's what apocalyptic scriptures are about. When the world around us is swirling and confusing, frustrating, or even affirming, even affirming, it's not that world that's going to save us, it's the relationship with God that will. The relationship with God is not about escape, but endurance. It's about inheriting something at the end, about invoking a relationship today that will get us there. No matter what comes. No matter what. I'm going to close on a lighter note. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I have only ever been a Boston Red Sox baseball fan. Shortly after they lost the World Series in 1986, I pledged my loyalty to the Red Sox, not knowing it would take a long time for them to be champions. I'm not a Cubs fan, but some of you know what a long time really is. In 2004, I cheered for my team as they made a miraculous comeback, beating the evil Yankees, the bad guys, as Cam calls them. I don't know, I'm sure he learned it from somewhere. And they won their championship. And I watched till the end of every single game that I could, even when they were up by a lot of runs or down by a lot of runs, and it seemed like the end was not in doubt. I've watched Duke on the wrong end of blowouts, and I've watched Duke on the right end of blowouts, and I've watched those frustrating Carolina Hurricanes as well. Till the very end, if I go to the PNC Arena, I like to stay till the end. Even though it means frustration sometimes. Even though it means more traffic. When I pledge my loyalty to my teams, I, I want to stick with them till the very end. I don't know what it is. It's, 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 just, it's just what I do. 
And, and when my team wins, it's really, really great, isn't it? And when they lose, it's hard, but somehow hearing Coach K's voice at the end of a loss makes it all feel okay. It's too trite, all too trite, to equate sports with faith. But you might know how that feels. And we don't quite know how it feels to get to the end of this life that is lived by faith. But we believe that God will be there. This is what our relationship with Jesus is all about and what it's for. Our call to Jesus is a call to a relationship with him that will help us stay faithful to the end. And in the end, it's only with him that joy can be made complete and our lives can feel fulfilled. The temples will fall, the institutions will fall, the teams will lose, the election results will come and will go. Most teams will finish their years on a loss. But if we stay faithful, God stays with us no matter what. Good or bad, easy or hard, questioning or being affirmed. If we stay faithful, if we stay till the end, God is there. And so if we promise to to stay till the end, we can answer that most simplistic of questions. If you died tonight, do you know where you would go? For any of us who is working on a relationship with God, we can be affirmed that the God of the universe will carry us through to the end and carry us forward. So my encouragement today, the promise from Scripture today is this. Read to the end of the passage. Stay to the end with Jesus. And remember that the God you spend time with now is the God that will be with you in the end. So nurture your relationship with Jesus because that's the one you want at the end. I pray today that through it all, no matter what comes, we all may grow more faithful in our commitment to our Lord through loyalty to the risen Jesus who promises to stay with us till the end. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving and holy God, we pledge our allegiance to you today. Help us to give you all of our hearts and our lives so that when hard times come, you will be with us. So that when good times come, you will celebrate with us and we will see your presence in the goodness of life as well. And Lord, and through all times, we might be nurturing a relationship with you that will come to fruition in a powerful, meaningful, holy way when we get to the end. Lord, we want to spend our eternity with you, but we want to spend our lives with you today. Help us to see your presence and to feel you with us, carrying us through on this day as we promise to stay with you till the end. It is in your great and holy and powerful name that we pray today. Amen.